Hello and welcome back to the Emo Social Club podcast here on EmoSocialClub.tv, broadcasting to you live from Twitch. I, as I am trying to be at all times in my life, every single week, am Brian. And I'm, like every other week, and sometimes during very weird hours too, I'm Lizzie. (laughs) And we have a guest on this episode, one of our original guests from way back in the beginning days of the Emo Social Club, James Shotwell, mm-hmm. returns. Hi. Yes. Which is finally how I get, to like, I get to actually like put that in the title. We have so very few returning guests, which is <laughs> not a critique on us. It's just that. It's not. Listen, if you're if you're somebody who's running a podcast or whatever you're running, you know, you only want to bring repeat guests back when you know that they're good. So exactly. oh, fancy. This is, a, this is a compliment to you for being here. Buttering me up before we even get started. I Absolutely. Um, thank you. Yes, I'm James most of the time. Um, pretty much. I don't know why we say that now, but I'm going to keep it's, doing it's what it. We I like do. it. We, Sometimes I don't it. feel like myself. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, today, though. Barry Brian. Uh, James is on our podcast again today because he is releasing a new podcast called High Notes. Uh, Mm -hmm. James, I'm going to let you talk about it because you're going to do a much better job than I will. But uh, Mm. what is High Notes? What's it about? Uh, High Notes is a music recovery podcast. It's about addiction and recovery in the music industry. And every episode features an in-depth conversation with a different musician going through recovery or in the world of sobriety who shares their journey with us at length. And then we kind of interject a bunch of extra elements like song clips and information about recovery programs, um, additional insight into certain stories the guests may share. So unlike a lot of podcasts that are just conversational, or an interview with somebody to promote something. We never actually promote anything on the show other than recovery. That's the whole point of the series. So it's more of a journalistic take on the alternative and rock music scene, something that I don't really think there's a lot of right now. And um, yeah, the show is presented by Holics.com in partnership with Heart Support and the Global Recovery Initiatives Foundation, or GRI for short. And uh, yeah, all eight episodes in the first season drop on July 28th, 2020. Nice. Nice. I did uh, want to ask how you um, kind of chose these organizations to work with, because mm. I know I've never personally heard of some of them, but I did research at least Heartland, and they're actually based here in Chicago. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I didn't want to, when we were first pitching the show around, so, uh, you know, most podcasts, you just start a podcast, but for this, I, I knew it was going to cost some money because of how we wanted to do it. And it was going to take a lot of time. So I was like, well, maybe we should get some people that would pay for us to do the show. And we got a lot of advice to do that. But then I realized that if I brought on like a paid sponsor, it might take away from 
the seriousness of the show or how much people were like, they're doing it for the right reason. So then I was like, screw that. We'll just do nonprofit sponsors. And heart support was suggested to me by my friend, Jake Dinning, who has a podcast called Real Talk because it's founded by Jake Lures of August Burns Red. And it's all about mental health, which is a, a very big aspect in recovery and sobriety for a lot of people. And then the Global Recovery Initiatives Foundation came in because of Jamie Roberts from Better Noise Records. One of the guests on season one is Tommy Vexed Bad Wolves. And uh, she was telling me about this group, GRI. And what they do is they raise money to fund recovery programs all over the world. And people like Tommy Lee of Molly Crew are part of their board of directors and stuff. And I just thought it was a really cool idea, like uh, a charity that supports other charities almost in a lot of ways. So I brought them both on and they don't do much other than promote the show. And then they get they kind of get the bumpers where you would normally have ads in a series. We're just going to give bumpers to them throughout it. I know that you guys have heard some of the show. We haven't added the bumpers to the versions you've heard, but there'll be small, small cutaways to promote recovery programs. So trying to just make it as like pure as possible. So that somebody isn't like, like one of the first things somebody said to me last week when I was showing people some content was it's really gross that you're trying to like promote, promote using addiction to promote a podcast. And I was like, eh, I can't, I don't want to get caught up in that battle. So instead mm-hmm. we're just like giving it away and giving all this stuff away and giving this space to charities. Wow. That is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really rad initiative. Um, especially I, I think it's kind of interesting that people were saying that you were using addiction to like promote the podcast even though that's kind of like the topic of it but i do know in general it's kind of like a touchy subject at the same time yeah yeah so we made we made i don't i'm an idiot who doesn't prepare but we have notebooks uh that say they have the high notes logo on them that we got made so i had sent this person a picture of the notebook and i was like do you want one of these and um they were like that's kind of gross and i was like why is that gross and they said well you're like you want to give me a notebook that says high notes on it, like you're making fun of addiction. And I was like, no, journaling is a big part of recovery and all of the people that are involved in the show, which are the organizations, myself and the team. And then uh, we have a few professional recovery people that are kind of guiding us and making sure that I don't say something that makes me sound like an idiot uh, in these, in these like really important conversations. And everyone was like, this is a really good idea, but this person just, it was like one of those things where like, you don't realize how someone might take it. So I kind of like had to go back to the team and be like, am I crazy? Are we, are we making a joke of this? And everyone was like, no, 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 it's, it's a good idea. So I just wrote that person off and I was like, you know, not everyone's going to like it, but that's like the danger you run into when you talk about these things. Cause like you said, it's really sensitive. So this is, for some people, they're like, you can't, they don't want to talk about it. It's like trying to do a podcast about trauma. Someone would mm-hmm. be like, oh, you're trying to profit off trauma. I'd be like, no, it's actually, it's the opposite. It's not a, it's not trying to, you know, get popular for a podcast using recovery. It's trying to bring attention to recovery using a podcast. It's, it's the exact opposite of what you think it is. Um, but, you know, if people don't listen to it, they might not ever recognize that. <laughs> Do you feel like, like you said earlier, that there was a lot of, there's not a lot of this type of like music journalism going on now where you kind of incorporate these harder news topics, um, which I agree with 100%. Um, How do you you feel that because there's so much negative possible, you know, backlash about it, like we just talked about, that Mm -hmm. it may stall some possible progression of finding more help for people who are in this type of situation? Yeah, my goal at the end of the day is like my goal has always been two things. One, to make it easier for people to talk about these things, whether it be their own struggles or in in my experience, it's usually like they know somebody that's caught up in addiction and they're like, I don't know how to talk to my dad, my mom, my brother, whatever about this thing that they're struggling with. So I want to do that. And then the second part of it for me was 
this, I, I kind of got fascinated by the idea of like how we treat people in the spotlight um, differently, even if they have the same problem. So as an example, one of the guests on season one is Anthony Green, a circus survive. And I, and I always think of Anthony as like this tortured soul, like addiction is like this plague that brings down a really great man. And I wish you could get through it. But then there are other people in the music industry who we don't have to name that when they come up, everyone's like, they're a junkie and they should die. And it's like, well, they both have the same problem. Like they're both struggling with heroin or whatever it happens to be. And I, I was kind of fascinated by that. And I was like, well, maybe if we just let these people talk and share their story, that hopefully people can see the similarities and commonalities that they share in their stories and their journeys. And maybe we can generate a little bit more empathy because there's nothing I hate more than like the idea that like we can't talk to that person because they're bad because of this this sickness that they have it just seems weird to me yeah I, speaking of that it's like I, I think that well i listened to the burt mccracken episode that you sent us uh which was mm -hmm. uh it was good it gave me a lot of context i i am obviously well, not obviously i guess i don't know but i'm not <laughs> oh, no. i am Being not might be obvious i might be obvious uh <laughs> i have i've never done any drugs i've only drank in my entire life so in my in my regard i'm like yeah i don't know a lot about this topic i don't know a lot about this subject and mm -hmm. it's me learning about people who i grew up idolizing and saying oh they they were going through the stuff that i have no context on um and I, I think that you gave a lot of context in the episode which was also really great for a listener like me it's like i don't know what he's talking about but uh, mm -hmm. you at least gave me an idea from my place of yeah. lack of knowledge where I'm like, yeah, I get this now. This is, this all makes sense. Um, I do think that now, uh, uh, maybe, maybe this is why you put it out now, but it like, it does seem like a really good time when we're talking more about, uh, reducing the stigma around things like mental health, around, uh, how people are, uh, how, how drug addiction is dealt with in our society where mm -hmm. maybe it's less policing, maybe it's more, uh, rehabilitation, maybe it's more of like having counselors, uh, even all the way to like safe injection sites and those kind of things. Uh, do you think that like this is the right time for this kind of stuff? Do you think <laughs> that like this message is like just all culminating in a really good spot or? Uh, maybe yeah, that wasn't I mean, even your idea. Uh, <laughs> maybe you were just like, I just... it wasn't. No, it was supposed to come out in August, April to start with. And we were going to do all the episodes in person. And then COVID happened and we had only like half of them done. And so we decided to push it. But, you know, I do think it worked out well because a big part of recovery is staying busy. Like, mm. like something we talk about in, I think the Nick Martin episode that I just was finishing today is that when you when you decide to get clean if you're somebody that's been doing drugs for a long time or drinking whatever it happens to be you have all this time on your hands right like it used to be like you come home you start drinking six hours would pass and you pass out and then you could do that like three nights a week well then if you get clean you have 18 hours a week now that you have no idea what to do with and if you can't find something to do with that time that's when you start to relapse that's when you start to fall back into these negative behaviors and that goes for any kind of addiction at all really so I think this show even that's part of the reason why I wanted to release it binge style is because if somebody's like trying to stay busy right now, giving someone like seven hours of content to digest, like a Netflix show is, is a good, is like at least a good palate cleanser. And hopefully that's like enough time for them to be like, I'm going to start writing. I'm going to get help. I'm going to do something other than spend another hour wishing I was getting high. So it worked out. It's, it's the pandemic bump for me in that way, I guess. And, and I will say that like there were a few guests that we hadn't locked in yet, like Head from Corn is on one of the episodes. Mm. And I don't know if we would have gotten him if it wasn't for nobody being on the road. Like all of a sudden everyone had availabilities and yeah. publicists were like, what's that thing you pitched me? And I was like, ah, You're now's like, my yeah, chance. Let's go. I do feel like I this mean, it's is a weird. The, 
this is the right time to get like a band member on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we're already like, we are, we haven't started recording yet, but we are knee deep in season two of the show, like uh, developmentally. Like we know mm-hmm. a lot of the guests and we started like working on the questions and like what we want to change about from the first season and stuff. So it is like, we're trying to like get it done before things open up so that we like have them locked in. Yeah. <laughs> I did see that you also had um, on your, on Twitter, you had kind of tweeted out everybody that you had, um, coming mm-hmm. up on the first season. And I thought it was really cool to see um, Haley Butters from Epstein Father, or maybe people know the Twitter account, This Man Fucks, that's them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because you usually hear a lot, of, of course, usually in this industry, you hear a lot of it being about dudes, like men. And I think they're the only... I believe that they go by they, them, if I'm not mistaken, yep. kind of like queer, they non-binary, non-binary person, person on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, do you have more um, people like that or women that are also going to be on this? Because I feel like we hear a lot of the male side of it, but we never really yeah. hear too much about the other side for, you know, non-binary and women who go through alcohol or, you know, any other drug addictions. Mm, that's a really good question and it's one that we kind of so like when we're starting to plan out the show if you ask me like who do you think is struggling with drug addiction that you should talk to i probably came up with eight white guys like off the top of my head because i come from a scene that's mostly white guys and then as we started to develop it i was like i really want to have some people of color so we have like nick martin and we have tommy vex from bad wolves and i was like that's a good start that's moving in the right direction and then land of defever actually who's the producer and the guy who edits the show and kind of my like person that tells me whether or not it's a bad idea what I think we should be doing with the show (laughs) was like he he was suggesting Haley from the very beginning and he was like they are so cool they have like you know this band Fox is really big and their music is good but like they have this weird niche and plus we didn't have anyone on the show that was like not really like current isn't the right word but somebody that's like in the DIY scene that's still like coming up and Haley fit that really well so I reached out to them a while ago on Twitter before I lost my old account and oh, yeah. they had agreed to do the show and then we lost touch when I lost my account and so I, I we literally just recorded their episode was the last one we did because we had a different final episode for the season and we ended up we recorded it twice and we shelved it because the person is just kind of a radical not a radical but the person is very cancel heavy and we didn't want to distract from what we're doing with the show or all the other guests by having this one person who's really problematic on the show. We might release it in the future, but we had this gap to fill. And Haley came up again, and I was like, yeah, let's reach out to them, see if they want to do it. And we hopped on the phone, and I think their episode's maybe the longest, too. Like, they're coming up on two years of sobriety in October, I believe, and we talked for probably 50 or 60 minutes in the raw version of the conversation about going to Narcotics Anonymous and getting through that program. But I will say we did offer the show to a lot more non-binary and women, and we had a harder time getting them to say yes. Like, one of my dream guests would be Brody Dahl of The Distillers, and I was like, she would just like that's my, my dream interview to begin with but to talk about something like about this for that, that long <laughs> yeah right like that's that's the dream i know you understand um so i reached out to her team and they were just like yeah she's not interested in talking about this and i was like that's that's fine and we heard that a lot from a lot of female pr reps and i think my hope is anyway that now that the show is coming out and people can hear it 
I know from like the people that we've shared it with that we're already getting some bigger in guests offers for the next season. So I'm kind of hoping that again, it's about normalizing it, right? Because like white guys can get away with being assholes more than anybody else. So I think the same thing goes with being an addict because I had a podcast that we approached to do press for and they came back to me and they were like only three out of the only four out of the eight people are women or people are, are non-binary or people of color. That's not enough for us. And I was like, well, I don't really think we need more people of color being promoted as addicts in the world right now. Like that's not really the goal of the show. There's enough of that stereotype out there. So we're, we're, we're hoping to diversify more moving forward, but it's just a matter of like who says yes. There's probably for, you know, for the eight that are on the season, we recorded nine episodes for the eight that are appear on it. We probably sent out 50 invitations. So it's just a matter of who comes around. That's really interesting. I'm, I'm, I, I guess I was a little surprised that there are people who are like, I, obviously in normalizing it, you have to have people that are willing to speak about it and put themselves out there. Like finding out that your heroes are not perfect is obviously going to be really tough for a business, I suppose, from a business end, but also just from who the people are and putting that, that perspective of yourself out there. So I, mm-hmm. I guess I'm not so surprised that people were saying no I was a little bit more surprised at the people who said yes, I suppose. But yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I had Anth- I had Anthony from day one, so the show's actually kind of Anthony's idea. Hmm. When he was on his Avalon tour last summer, we were hanging out in Detroit, and I was telling him, I was like, I want to do a different podcast. I want to do a podcast that comes out in seasons because I was really addicted to the show called The History of Stand Up that came out in seasons, and I was like, I want to do this. And he was like, You know what I think would be fun to just talk to people about doing drugs and sobriety and you could call it high notes. And he said that like, really, he was doing pushups at the time and he wasn't even <laughs> looking at it. it. Just being, he was just being Anthony green. And I was like, that's a really good idea. And then we didn't talk about it again. And then in November of last year, he relapsed. And when he texted me and told me that he had relapsed and that he was getting help, I, I think I, I didn't, I think I texted him that day, but shortly thereafter, I was like, well, now we have to do that damn show because somebody needs to talk about what they're going through. <laughs> and he was like, if you do it, I'll say yes. And I was like all right sounds good so then when i started to pitch people i already had anthony as like a guest so i could be like hey here's the thing i want anthony to do it and um one of the the guests that we that we shelved i know that sounds so much more mysterious than i want it to be um <laughs> the guest that we shelved uh had pointed me to bert and as we got bert we like locked in people slowly but surely and i had a few publicists i could turn to i had done an interview with blue october justin from blue october is probably my favorite episode of the show i had done an interview with him a few months prior to launching high notes where we had gotten into talking about him being on meth and going to recovery so like i knew he could talk about it because mm-hmm. it's like two things right like you said you got to protect your public image and you don't want to ask someone to like i'm basically going to a publicist and being like hey you know that client that makes money for you would you like them to talk about like the worst thing they've ever done <laughs> exactly. for an hour oh and we're not going to promote anything yeah <laughs> we're just going to talk about them no, being as, a bad no money coming in it's yeah. just a conversation yeah, it's, about it's yeah yeah, it's wholly for the, the goodness of their soul to talk yeah. about things that they've never talked about before. We may and have a positive Bert's, impact. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we got the confirmation Bert would do it in February, but we didn't record it till like the end of April almost because they were just like, ah, he doesn't want, like we got to find an hour where he wants to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. So there's you know a little back and forth with that stuff. But again, I think people will be more open to it once they hear it. I mean, we cut some things out. We didn't cut a lot out of most episodes, but if anything gets too rough, we we try to like not make someone come across as a bad person. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was a little nervous. It was going to go to a real dark place. Like I'm mm-hmm. uh, probably as, as, as you mentioned before, I, I'm not super into like podcasts that are very like just dark for dark sake or 
dramatic yeah. in the sense, and it's obviously not the goal of the podcast to over dramatize mm-hmm. something that is such a dark thing for so many people. Uh, so I really yeah. appreciated that it didn't go to that place and it really kept it as a, uh, as a, as a more like positive, like looking back at the issue and then finding a way through mm-hmm. that, finding a way f- from that darkness and to make a more positive impact in the future. So I do think with well, that there's kind a jur- of thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. There's like that journalist aspect in me where I like, I want the story. Like I'm always looking for like a really good story. So that's why in the show, like the structure of the show is how long have you been sober? Now let's go back to right before you decided to get clean. Cause usually there's like a really good story right there. And then, you know, how did you decide to get clean? And then like, what's the process been like from there? Like that's generally the structure of it. But I, there is a part of me that every time I wanted to like go a little deeper, like try, it's, it's really figuring out how comfortable someone is talking about it. Cause the last thing you want to do is make someone talk about it so much that when you hang up now, they're thinking about it. And now they're like, oh yeah, heroin was fun. And you're like, no, 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 like, no. Like, we got to avoid that. It may have been fun, but it was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Remember how we just talked about all the terrible things that also happened? But like Justin from Blue October, he's somebody who does a lot of recovery talking. And so his episode begins with like a six and a half minute story about him being on a crystal meth bender and thinking somebody is following him. And so he calls the cops because he thinks this person broke into his house. And spoiler alert, there's nobody there. He called the cops on himself. But it's like this nine minute story about how he thinks he's going to die and he's calling the cops and he's like i'm justin from blue october i don't know why that matters um come get me and like that's the day that he realized that like oh i need to go get help like this is really bad so there's some humor there really i was about to say there is some humor in there and he laughs we have a good time with it but it's like you hear a story like that and you're like oh okay like yeah i didn't know that about this person and it makes you really interested in it and then to know that he has come all this way and that he's so open about it i just hope that that makes people be like i should get help i don't need to get to that point to realize that i need to get help yeah i think there was when i was listening to the bird episode because i'm a huge the youth fan just as much as brian we Mm -hmm. did go to their bottom line show together oh we threw down in a pit Oh, we threw that. I was surprised that Brian came like up near me. I was like, what is he doing here? I will say that. Oh, snap. I've been, I, you know, a, original album, the used fan, like for years and, and it fell out of, fell out of appreciation of the music as they put it out over the years. I'll be honest with that. Even if it gets back to the, the band, I'm like, fuck it. You know what? I didn't like some of your records, but that was definitely like one of the best, uh, used shows I've seen in a very, very long time. So uh, now I'm like, yeah, okay. Like everything they used, I'm good. Let's do this. <laughs> like I'm back on board. You, you did I'm it. I'm so happy that you are. Yeah. So thanks Lizzie. <laughs> no problem. The new, the new album from the used is fantastic. Oh my God, it is. I was, I was at work and it came out at midnight and I work overnight. So I just put it on and I try to turn it down because I also had to have the, our news i had to have our news feed up too i was like oh there's a lot of screaming here i hope nobody looks at me although there are three people in here <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh, it's a wild one but it is good and i was happy to talk to bert about it because i had done a big interview with him for their last record which i liked but was so different mm-hmm. so i also kind of had that foundation there where i was like we've talked for an hour before about like deep things so we, we can do this again but it did also help probably to get him on the show that they had a new album even coming out even though they couldn't promote it but, yeah you know he slips yeah. it in he does mention the lighthouse at one point oh, no, I, was like, I, yeah. I, I heard that i was like <laughs> <laughs> it's like you mother like it's, like, i was it was know. such professionalism that yeah. he slipped it in there i was like this is i can't even be mad because you've made it in the context of an answer i feel like that's just part of like being in a band is like hey just by the way we have a new album coming out like you have to do it just to be like listen yeah. 
and it just has to be so casual. That's what that's yeah. what you know you have somebody who's really good for your PR is that they media train those people real Ooh, well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and we and we did that interview over Zoom. So it was like I was looking at him and he was just home like in his home in Australia where he lives. And it was just weird. Cause it was like, I mean, it's, it was even more personal than us talking. Cause I was just like in my bedroom and he was in his bedroom and I was just like looking at Bert McCracken, <laughs> tell me these things about his life. And I'm like trying not to like blow my brain. Like, just yeah. like especially when he like the, the clip that's out that everyone can go here. Bert talks about artwork being a complete blackout. And the journalist in me was like, save this timestamp. Like we're going to need to come back to this when <laughs> as soon as we're done and grab this clip. This is the clip. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot of that. It's really hard to like hold your composure when you're talking to somebody like that. Yeah. You're like, I just, yeah. Yeah. Mind I tried things. to uh, go up to Frank Iero when I was doing press at Riot Fest a few years ago. And because his PR guy was right there and he was like right there not talking to anybody. And I went up and I was like flipping out. I'm like, sir, can I please have five whole minutes? I know that I didn't get a response. And they're like, this dude is like British. And he's like, no, just email. I'm like, oh, I already did. Can you give me like your email? And I was like, sir, he's literally right there. Amazing. I tried. 20 year old me tried. You got to go for it. Yeah, you got to take the risk. Yeah, exactly. But I did want to ask. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You can go. go. I've got nothing, but you'll probably ask me a question about it anyways. Just go ahead. (laughs) I did want to know because you kind of asked a question that I feel a lot of people on social media over like, God, the last 10 or so years since people have really heavily been on social media and given their opinion. Um, where you asked Bert, like, how does it feel to have, you know, a lot of these fans, you know, come up and be like, oh, hey, you like help me through X, Y, Z, like the worst fucking time in my life. It's like, how do you kind of, you know, compartmentalize, um, you know, just deal with it. And I feel in mm-hmm. general that I've seen a lot of fans and either or people who like work with bands say, you know, don't ask band, mem- don't tell band members that or, you know, go into detail and mm-hmm. to kind of hear how he handles it was nice to see the reality of it and not have it kind of be feigned because I feel I've seen a lot of responses from bands that are kind of like wishy-washy You're like yeah like we really appreciate it and it's cool and everything yeah. but they kind of slip under like yeah but don't do it but they never you know explicitly say it or know how to mm-hmm. properly deal with it so I thought the fact that you asked him that not in a way was taboo, but I think it was a question everyone kind of wonders, but is too scared yeah. to ask. Yeah. Well, I think people either wonder or they don't know to ask it because they don't consider it. It comes up in the in the Nick Martin episode as well. I think at the end of that episode, because Sleeping with Sirens is another band that I feel like I've seen them get like just dumped on with like people coming up to them and being like, Oh my God, I'm so excited to meet you. Let me tell you about how my parents abandoned me and I'm addicted to drugs and I have a baby. And you're just like, Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> These guys have other things. Like Jeez. it's so much. So like I, I got the idea for that question from uh, a story that I'd heard a bunch of times. And I've talked to Anthony about previously off the record. I don't even think it's in his episode, but there's a story about when the wonder years were on warp tour that they were doing meet and greets every single day for years. And then at one point, one day, some kid came up to them and was like, I, you know, I love you guys so much. And then he said, I want you to have the razor blade I used to cut myself with. And he gave it to the Wonder Years. I don't know which member of the band. And the band took it and they were like, you know, hugged him and loved him. But like going back to their bus and having this thing and just being like, 
now I, like I, that's just this, just this thing that was given to them was so powerful that then they stopped doing the meet and greets because they were just like, I can't keep doing this every single day. And like that story has fascinated me. Cause I was just like, I can't imagine anyone caring about a thing I make that much, let alone to be like, here's the thing I used to almost try to kill myself with. And now I want you to have it as a symbol of the fact that you saved me. And it's just like, that's some like Marvel superhero shit that I don't I understand. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. You went from zero so, to a thousand there. Yeah. Quick. So I, I, so I think about that story every time I'm hanging out with a band, especially bands that I'm really close to. So I'm always, I, I, I try not to like, you know, uh, listen in on their conversations with fans. But if I'm if I'm covering something and I happen to care, catch it, like I, like if you have ten fans, at least three of them are going to tell you something crazy. And so I was just, I was, I'm always curious, like how do you get back on your bus and not think about that kid that told you that like ridiculous story? And then the next day, and then if you do a hundred tour dates a year, that's like at least a hundred of those stories, if not more, plus your own shit. Like that's just, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I've always like, I've always had such a problem talking to like, my assumption is always like, I cannot speak to a person in a band that I really like in a way where I don't come off sounding just completely messed up in the head. Like, I don't know. I've, I've said some weird shit to people like uh, that. I'm like, Oh my God, I love your band. Uh, how do you pronounce your name? Like, it's really weird. And My assumption is like, okay, well, if I was doing that, but if I was in this mental state, if I was in this position, this is the kind of thing like I would probably say, but then I'm like, no, this is like somebody else's thought of how they, they provide themselves some recovery or themselves some comfort in this time. And obviously like there are band members who are writing music that is saying that they went through the same thing. And I'm like, I think it's just kind of unavoidable that like there's going to be that that kind of conversation uh, uh, with yeah. with a band member who's like, yeah, we're the same, we're the same people, and it's like there's 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 a lot of things you got to do before it's like, yeah, this is weird. This is not the conversation you'd be having with this person that you barely know. Uh, yeah. But you know, I think I think the perspective that it comes from is that these are generally people who don't feel like they have anyone at home to talk to. So mm-hmm. when they need an outlet, it's that album or it's that person in that band that gets them through. So it's it's kind of like meeting a movie star and being like, I feel like I've known you, my like I feel like I've known Meryl Streep my entire life. I've never met Meryl Streep. I've just seen yeah. her in a ton of movies. So if I got close to her, I'd be like, Oh, you don't you don't know how far you and I go back, Meryl. Like we've been <laughs> you've been there since the beginning. And people feel like that with these musicians. And there's something about like the way that they present themselves as being so relatable especially being on social media and stuff you always feel like they just are in on it but i'm with you like even when i like there was one time when i when we finished recording the anthony episode and he and i have spoken for hours at length when i was done i was like i called you my friend the other day and i felt weird about it like are we friends like (laughs) really strange with him he's like he's like yeah i think we are friends and i was like oh he's like well you just text me randomly and i was like i guess i do yeah How's the, okay. I mean, it's just like, I, I don't, I'm not, I've, I've never been that comfortable to be like, let me tell you the worst thing that's ever happened to me Yeah. <laughs> right now, before you go on stage tonight, I need right. you to know these five terrible things about me. <laughs> have a great, have a great set, man. <laughs> so next time somebody out there is like upset that their favorite band charges for meet and greets, just keep in mind that that's probably part of the factor too, that they're just like, listen, if we let everyone meet us, we're going to hear way more terrible things. Yeah. So there's like a little bit there. You're paying for their time a little bit. <laughs> I feel that now. That is that is yeah, a very clarifying statement. <laughs> yeah, that, that's really that just kind of detailed everything out because, again, the mm-hmm. discourse on Twitter about the meet and greets mm-hmm. and pay meet and greets is, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think that yeah. that's a perspective a lot of people seem to take in. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're May Day Parade, think about how many people have told Derek Sanders a terrible story about a breakup. Like, and he's just, he's just like, I don't, I don't need to know it, uh, all these details. And people are just like, oh, uh, everyone wants to tell them their breakup story because they listen to, they you know, all their albums. So yeah, I just, I would get sick of it too. I would be like, no, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it that much. Is that why Avril Lavigne stands so far away from her fans at meet and greets? Stop. <laughs> or is she just like ahead of the curve on social distancing? She's yeah. She was social distancing before it was cool. I think it was also because she, you know, she's you know not really Avril Lavigne with the conspiracy. Yeah, <laughs> you can know. smell the motor oil that's running the Android that is Avril Lavigne. Getting why close do, to why people do you think, does not compute. Listen, why, why do you think she divorced? You know, Derek Wimbley and um, Chad Kroger. There's a reason. Uh, I mean, they I know knew, why she. I know much. why she divorced Chad Kroger. <laughs> oh, well, we. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think we all know that. We, we're all that's that's a Google search away for anyone that doesn't. Yeah, he was just too good of <laughs> yeah, a musician. Just look, it's fine. Yeah, just too great the of a songwriter. Jealousy is too deep. <laughs> you try your best not to get jealous, but there it is. It happens. Oh God, let's not go on a Nickelback rant. <laughs> oh, no. It's fine. It's fine. Bring it back. Do you got another question for me? Uh, I'll tell you anything you want to know. Lizzie, Except for the guess that we cut out of the season. I mean, obviously, this sounds very mysterious. I like when you think shelved, and I'm like actually envisioning like you going. I'll to tell you how it got shelved. How about that cavern? Sure. And you just put it there. Okay. When we set it up in my brain, I was like, we're gonna have we're gonna have these guests that people consider saints that are tortured by addiction, and we're gonna have a few quote unquote villains, and we're gonna put them all together so that people see that they're all the same. And everyone was like, that's a great idea. You should get this person and I was like I don't think that person's gonna say yes and then that person said yes and I flew to California and I sat down with them and we had dinner and we talked and they cried and we laughed and we had a whole thing and I was like this was amazing and then we were editing everything and uh, my producer was like hey if you do that episode I don't want my name on it and I was like that's weird but okay I mean if you don't want your name on it and then um, the, we had another editor that helps part-time and I was like, he was like, I also don't want my name on the episode. And I was like, that's so weird. Why do you guys not want your name on this episode? It's going to be so good. And then they're like, I just, it's not going to go the way you think it's going to go. And then I sent um, some information out to some publications and Mike from Alternative Press called me and he was like, hey man, I've been thinking about it. You shouldn't do that. And I was like, really? And he was like, he's like, yeah, I think it's a terrible idea. He's like, having gone through what we just went through with alter with all of mice and men and everything, mm -hmm. don't do it. I don't think you should do it. And I was like, but it's so good, man. He's like, I'm sure it is, but don't do it. And I was like, okay, okay. Um, so we decided that maybe at some point in the future, it'll be a bonus episode, given what happens with this individual in the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. But I, I tweeted about them recently, unrelated to the show. I tweeted about them. And so people that people can go hunting and try to figure out who it is. And when I did, I got like 12 replies from people that don't even follow me that were like, screw that guy. And I was like, I was like, okay, maybe we shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't <laughs> oh, put wow. out the episode. All right. Um, Your ear so, ignite like a little Twitter hunt, like everyone it's, that Reddit it's post about that yeah. tour band. You're about to like make mm. that happen. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, we had some ideas for how to put it out that would involve getting some other people to comment on the story. And I talked to some of the people that came up in the episode and they gave me such conflicting versions of the same story that I was like, all right, we can't, we can't do it. But one day, 
one day or when we're not on Twitch, I will tell you all about it because it's really cool. But, <laughs> but it is. This is not is being recorded. Totally. This is, no one's watching this. <laughs> this, is, this is, you um, know, you can say whatever you want here. It's oh, not, it's not seriously. Good. Please don't. <laughs> yeah. I feel it's, like it, it's, it's good. I feel like with that, it kind of goes in hand with um, me and our one of our contributors from New Fury Media. We were working on a story that we put out a couple weeks ago for our broadcast segment. And we had gotten a response from the person, like a very detailed, like two page response. I sent it to Brian too. I was like, what do you think about this? Like, how do you, do you think that this is something we should try to break? But I'm kind of nervous because in the email chain, the person had included their PR rep and the PR rep said, don't say anything as this man just goes as a very (laughs) wild rant um, Mm -hmm. to our contributor. And I told our contributor, like, hey, just, you know, say, like, hey, I really appreciate this. I just want to confirm, can we print this, you know, or can we put this out? We want to make sure because there's a big legal liability that lays there that um, obviously none of us want to deal with or have the means to deal with at the same time. Um, And I think... Uh, some people may think of that as a cop out, but it's also like, are you going to pay my legal fees? <laughs> I mean, the the information has now, like the the Been person has out. now yeah. done their own thing, so like it's not, yeah. it wouldn't be breaking anymore. And obviously, that was probably what they wanted to do. And overall, like have the message come from themselves. Uh, it mm. was overall like a fairly reasonable response that like people were getting very upset on the internet and now we've received a very reasonable response and we're like, okay, we think that we could pursue this just a little bit, like not a lot of bit, but just like go, Hey, we have this bit. just, just, you know, a little bit of news. Like we don't have to go too deep because the deeper we go, I feel like we're just, we're just, you know, potentially digging our own grave. And I'm like, okay, yeah. let's just, let's just consider this. Uh, because it, 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 it's like you said, where it's like the journalist is like, I want to say, something i want to mm-hmm. i want to i want to break some news here i want to give some information but at the same time i'm like i shouldn't want to do that if it's going to be <laughs> at my own detriment and we should protect ourselves here to be sure that like this is for the betterment of people's knowledge and not just like hey guys guess what happened and like yeah yeah so we, i think that's that's always a big issue because I know when I was talking to one of my friends, one of my co, one of my old coworkers, um, and they had said that when they were in school for journalism, that their professors would say, "Oh, don't worry about fact checking or anything. If you have it, just break it." I'm like, "That is wrong. I don't know where you went to school, but first of all, you should get a tuition refund because <laughs> that's wrong." And then I talked to the people I work with in my newsroom. I'm like, "What do you think about this?" And they're like, "That is absolutely the fucking stupidest thing I've ever heard." I'm like, <laughs> okay, good, thank you. Um, and I think I think that's that that whole thought process of breaking things, like you need to kind of slow down and be like, oh, what is this actually? Um, just so we can stop the spread because obviously, you know, misinformation is rampant too, especially on social media, and people don't really ever want to look for like more answers or conclusions into it or just have like their opinion thrown out there and it's it's just a hot mess. So the last thing I'll say about the uh, the deleted episode, the shelved episode, I should say, it, it's not deleted; it exists. Um, is is the, what it ultimately came down to was, if we put this out with these other seven conversations, this is going to be the only one people talk about, and they mm-hmm. might not give the rest of the episodes a chance, or they'll take the whole thing as being like a 
like we're trying to say, like my, my thing was like, I don't want to say, I don't think the episode comes across this way, but my whole thing was like, I want to hold this person's feet to the fire and be like, you can't blame these things for this thing. And uh, people were like, yeah, but if you give them a platform, it's going to come across as trying to be like, oh, woe is this person? Um, not they have a problem. They need to be given empathy and supported like any other human being. So we're going to wait until... I don't know. Hell freezes over, probably. Given, I mean, that may, given become, the that case. may come sooner than we. Yeah, know. it's possible. So let's. <laughs> so guys, that yeah, episode if we, will be out soon. Real soon. Yeah, yeah sooner than later. Might might be ahead of season season two. It'll be a bonus episode. Yeah. Within twenty twenty, hell will freeze over. Yeah. Did you guys like the Bird McCracken episode? Yeah. I did. Oh, yeah. I did okay. really enjoy Good. it. I was wondering how it was going to be structured because I felt like Brian too. I thought it was going to be something that was like really like more like a like a harder topic that was like getting really hit and it was going to be like really dark shit. And then I was like, oh, okay, like this is digestible for people who maybe have like their own personal trauma and I don't feel it would be as triggering as it would if you like listen to yeah. like, or watch like a hard news documentary or like read a piece mm-hmm. detailing about these different things. So I thought it yeah. was balanced very well. Good, good. It's okay. If you told me it sucked, I would also be okay with that. <laughs> it's fine. I understand. Listen, I've just, I've been sitting and listening to myself talk for like six months as we've worked on this. So I have no idea anymore. I just listened to it. I'm just like, it's fine. I hated it the first time, but no one else is going to host the show. So, so like right now I'm finishing up the last couple of episodes. Haley still needs to be done. And I'm working on the bad wolves one right now. The bad wolves one gets a little heavier than some of the other ones because Tommy is really well versed. He's a recovery coach now. So when I ask him to tell his story, he just kind of goes. And so it gets a little bit worse. We like, there's, there's talk of being addicted to heroin and losing a baby and uh, falling into like meth and all these things. And it's all in like one five minute burst of his life story and so when it stops the, in the podcast i honestly cut to narration and i'm just like everyone just take a breath like if you need to walk away and come <laughs> yeah, back it's okay yeah. i understand it was really heavy because sometimes when we're doing this i think on the nick martin there's a couple episodes where people break down and cry and there's some episodes where we laugh and we tell like a really silly story about doing drugs because your experience with drugs can be all over the place it's just some people don't have the ability to like rein it in when they need to rein it in or it starts fun and then it gets really really bad so i never wanted to come across as like demonizing it and i also didn't want to turn it into like addict porn where we're like tell us that that day you can't remember you know so like in the used episode the, the thing about her you know not remembering making artwork is about as dark as it gets some of the episodes people feel a little bit more comfortable going a little bit darker with their story so we get a little bit darker but it's never like what was it like putting the needle in your arm you know as we don't right. we don't get I that don't deep like needles, that's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah we don't we don't go that deep so i wanted people to feel i wanted it to be something that if you're a fan of the band and you just wanted to know something more about the songs you could also listen to Mm-hmm. so hopefully it comes across that way but yeah the narration is the hardest part and like i've had to learn so much about it and my my partner has gone through recovery herself so sometimes i'd be like i'm like so tonight i'm going to ask this person this thing and she'd be like you shouldn't do that <laughs> i was like okay okay so good taking yeah. notes so i was like can i ask it like this and she'd be like yes that's that's more acceptable or like <laughs> here's some lingo you should use so that you can like talk to them on their level um 
but yeah, I feel weirdly versed in it to some extent now. Like I've been listening to audiobooks and everything, but I still have people I consult with to make sure that I don't sound like a total idiot. Yeah. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I mean, you'd are, think so. You know, yeah. you wouldn't think people would do it, but we've seen that. Obviously, that doesn't happen. But I think what you've been doing and also kind of like continuously following up to be like, you know, is the way that I'm speaking in the way of my delivery for these different questions or how I come off, is this appropriate or is this not appropriate? And I guess for some people, yeah. that may seem to them as like oh you're being too sensitive but this is a very sensitive and delicate topic Mm -hmm. so you have to also know that you can't just like come up to somebody especially if you haven't really like talk extensively with this person and be like Mm -hmm. oh hey yeah tell me about like when you were on like you know a meth you know episode and all this crazy (laughs) shit you can't really do that to some extent or ask these harder questions about you know certain things so i think mm-hmm. it's really great that you had a lot of that kind of coaching in a sense while going yeah i mean i'm scrambling a lot of the time because like <laughs> meth comes up like you never expect meth to come up with these guys like i didn't anyways i knew in justin's i did because i knew that he'd done meth but everyone else like it comes up a few times and every single time i'm at home on zoom with the person or we're in person having the conversation i'm just trying to be like oh okay and my brain is like how do we what do we what do we know about this? how do we how do i follow up with this how do i how do i bring this up in the conversation and thankfully everyone's into it but it is sensitive like for the anthony episode is the first interview he did after getting out of rehab and Haley is just under two years from their sobriety date nick martin had just celebrated two years of being sober so for a lot of these people it's really fresh so the last thing you want to do is like make them think about how bad it was so even like nick cries in his episode and you hear me apologize to him because i'm like he's my buddy and i don't want to like you don't want to make your friend cry but he's like i don't know it feels good to like talk about it this way but there's like an element of like me just waiting for him to respond and then i realize that he's crying and i'm like oh uh um i don't don't do that like I was like, do I push? Like, what do we do now? Like, as a, as an interviewer, you're like, do I, how do we how do I recover? Am I am I an asshole? Did I go too far? <laughs> Thankfully, now we have narration, so at least you can kind of cover up a little bit of me being like, is that okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I did want to ask uh, because I, I I heard almost immediately that it is also in partnership with AP Magazine. And mm, no, it's uh, it, it AP is promoting it, but gotcha. we aren't doing an official partnership anymore. But yeah, gotcha. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was well, I was gonna ask how <laughs> uh, how it got uh, uh, linked up in that way. Uh, oh, with AP. Um, yeah. Well, I pitch every I pitch a lot of things to Alt Press. Um, they're they're good friends of mine, and I I think that there's a lot. Say, I I, well, I hate people that always hate alternative press because they have the worst job in the world, which is catering to 30 year olds that love scene music and selling magazines to 16 year olds that love scene music. And those two groups of people have very different tastes mm-hmm. and I don't feel like, and they can't please everyone because if they cover the bands that somebody like I like, they don't sell any magazines. And if they cover the bands that kids that buy magazines, like everyone my age hates them. So it's like a really thankless job. So I had brought the idea to them as like, Hey, let's do it as a partnership. Like I'll make the show. I had already started the show. So I was like, I'm going to make the whole thing. I'll give it to you. And you can do it as like an AP thing because they have a huge platform and they were into it for a while. And then when all the recent drama with them happened and stuff, we made a mutual decision to not 
specifically link up to that way just because we didn't want to again distract from like the point of the show right we don't want people to be like oh now here's all these other problematic people that they're going to talk to for an hour at a time because every single guest is like i have some problematic stuff in my history because i was an addict and people just don't read that far into it they'll just see like a list of people who have fucked up and be like here they go again so to avoid that we decided to not do it, but they're going to help promote it. And Mike, the owner of AP is somebody that I turn to with a lot of questions and stuff. Like even when we started the show, I was like, is this a dumb idea? I want to do this, but is it a dumb <laughs> idea? And he's like, I don't, I don't think so. And I was like, okay, dad, thank you. <laughs> Father. Mm. Yeah. He's kind of my dad in that way. Like I, I've had it when I was younger. parent. Yeah. He's the closest thing to like a mentor I have. And when I was growing up, I used to have a dream that he would be like my Willy Wonka. Like one day he'd just hand me the keys to alternative press and be like, here, it's yours now, Charlie. Like, my name's James. So he'd be old and ignorant at that point. Um, and I've, and I just don't think it's going to happen these days, but he still helps me out a lot. But yeah, if you ever see me disappear, it's because I've gotten the keys to the, to the castle. Oh, okay. That's, that's good to know. We'll know where to look first. Yeah. I'll, I'll take you. the heat. Cause sometimes he's like, I wish I could just retire. And I'm like, yeah, go, go for it. <laughs> in the rains. Fine. He lives up in that old Oops. factory up on the hill. Never comes mm, down. Yes. No one goes the in. Old magazine factory. <laughs> no yeah. one goes old into all press. No one comes out of all press. <laughs> well, then he also goes to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just just because. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's nearby. You know, just because, yeah. There. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. That's that's the dream. <laughs> well, that changes some of my line of questioning because my thought was. Uh, yeah, I, I had different thoughts on the all press stuff because I was like, oh yeah, okay. interesting that they're like, I want to do something. Uh, I, I guess we talk so much about cancel culture in this podcast that I don't really want to get into it too much. And also I might make a mental note of this moment and cut it out. So nobody might hear this in the actual recorded version. Um, it might be a shelved section. So this might be a yeah, Twitch shelf section people, of the episode. People who are watching Good. this live on Twitch. Um, Good. I guess like you are talking with people who have had this like, rough history and and it was interesting that you mentioned uh tommy lee at the beginning too because my like growing up as a kid who was a fan of rock music you hear all of these stories on like vh1 behind the music you read the dirt and you're like it glorifies this 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 culture of drug addiction it, it glorifies drinking to excess it, it glorifies that rock star mentality that we are now so far separated from in 2020 and there is a very different experience with those facts of the the mm -hmm. of, of our heroes when we were kids and the people that we looked at and i feel like when we look at a motley crew and we look at a a the used it's a very different view of how we want to see those people uh, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. I guess in a way, like, you know, the dirt was made into a movie. Tommy Lee is obviously doing work, uh, with a rehabilitation. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, so there's work being done by people who, who lived through this experience in the past. There are people who are now getting the help that they need to, to get through these issues. And I don't know what the right answer is, but is this like a, a, is this a rehabilitation for not only their their addiction, not only their health, but also like their image, also their uh, uh, how they're how they're perceived within the culture, how they're perceived by like like are we going to look back at history of of these bands now and go, oh yeah, it was this, and we look at it this way, or are we going to see that like mm -hmm. yeah, they were canceled and now it's just like they're out of here, they're done, 
hope they're good, but like, I don't want to see them again. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both really. I mean, there's no, there's no strong answer, but something that comes up in the Ronnie Winters episode, he's the guy from Red Jumpsuit for the mm-hmm. non-deep scene kids. Um, and his episode of the show is that he, when they, when they, when Face Down took off and it became this giant single, like he wanted to be Molly Crew, like he wanted to live out the stories from the dirt because, like, that's the idea of what a rock star used to be. And I think that when we live in a world where we don't really have rock stars anymore, so because it's not something that's prevalent in like the media and stuff like that lifestyle is more and more considered like an outlier. People are, it seems more cancelable because it's like not accepted. Like we just don't see it everywhere anymore. Um, so I think there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of PR rehab to it, but I also think it's like Tommy Lee is somebody who's seen how his actions didn't just influence him and the people around him, but like now we're, four generations removed from Molly Crew, and there are still people who are like I want to be Tommy Lee and there's a part of him that's like oh I didn't mean that it's almost back to like the idea of people telling you the worst thing that's ever happened to them every Mm -hmm. single night like now Tommy Lee has guys come up to him and they're like you know I do all these drugs or I snore to dance or whatever the thing is and he's like dude that's stupid like why would you do that like um but there are people that want to kind of like live up to that so I think part of Tommy's thing and even guess on the show is like the idea that like you don't have to be reckless in order to like be creative or have a good time and stuff. And even Ronnie has a comment where he's like, I think that it's all good in, in if you can manage yourself, if you can like keep yourself together. But a lot of the guests on their show, that's not the case. Like Ronnie describes himself as a death drinker. Like he doesn't drink one and two and stops. He drinks until you send him home forcefully. <laughs> like it's just, he just can't do that. Um, and if people can, if people can manage it, like more power to them, go for it. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but I do think that it's, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Like I, I, when you said Ronnie, it made me think of Ronnie Radke, who is a, I mean, he's a former, I, I don't really know his history of addiction. I just know like that he was in jail and he <laughs> has yeah. done a bunch of other shitty things. But then I see uh, the punk rock NBA do a deep dive on him. And uh, I actually watched Ronnie cause Ronnie streams on Twitch. He did a, uh, Twitch stream where he was reacting to this video entirely about him, like starting. So in his the best content you'll ever see. It's yeah. amazing. It was actually really yeah. like good to watch Ronnie Radke responding to it, but he went into it like this guy's going to talk shit about me, which I'm like, that's such a Ronnie thing to think is like, man, somebody's going to talk shit about me. Fuck this guy. And he comes out of it just like, I don't think anybody really realizes the kind of influence that Ronnie Radke has had on the scene. And obviously he's like, changing now so he's doing the work that he needs to do and like maybe he's not putting out music you like anymore but at the very least like he's doing the work and like there's no real reason to cancel him but i was like Mm -hmm. this is an interesting like take on canceling somebody who was an addict has gone to jail has committed crimes has done these things that we have heard about in the news we've seen this story come up and up and up and like we're just like man fuck this guy i hate him and it's like well he's clearly doing the work <laughs> in some capacity like he's he's yeah. there's no news stories it's just him being himself and maybe he's arrogant maybe he's cocky maybe he's putting out music you don't like but that's not cancelable that's just like yeah i'm not a big fan but still well yeah Something I think about a lot with Ronnie or uh, Franz from Attila, for example. Um, see, the, see, the thing is, is about those guys is that like you, you hit the nail on the head. Like they never sold you a false bill of goods. Mm-hmm. Like 
that he's always been Ronnie's always been Ronnie. And like, if you didn't like it, then at the end of the day, he's still Ronnie. And Franz is kind of the same thing. He was always like, yeah, you know, whatever, 666 party with the devil. Like that was always who he is. So when he does something that's like, quote unquote, cancelable, you can't really cancel him because it's like, no, I told you that this is who I was. Like you right. made me famous for being <laughs> this guy. So like, I think, the, I think the cancel thing comes up when somebody tries to say like, I'm this person and we learn that they're that person. And, uh, you know, what's getting a lot of these scene guys in trouble is that, you know, in, in like the Austin Carl instance or whatever, like he promoted himself on this platform of being like this reformed Christian in the world of heavy music. And he was like kind of above everybody because he had this godliness to him. And then we realized that that's not the case. And so the, the kickback is so much harder. Um, and I think what you're seeing with people kind of almost like people are trying to pre-cancel themselves where they're like, listen, I'll just tell you right now that I was a piece of shit and and we can get past it. It's like, you just can't let the internet find out before you admit it. I think that that has been a phenomenon that I had like thought about for a while, because even when you look at it, because the other argument that's out there is that, oh, this happened, you know, five to 10 to 20, whatever years ago, when you were younger and you were dumb and times were different. So is any of that even relevant now compared to how you are as a person, you know, from then to present day and I feel that there's some benefits I guess to coming out and saying like oh I was the shitty like say I'm 25 say like oh I was a shitty teenager everyone was a shitty teenager first of all Mm -hmm. um but I think the other thing is is that when you kind of do that I think some people would say oh I'm doing this to get it out of the way rather to be genuine about it especially mm-hmm. nowadays it's more of a preventative pr crisis tactic rather than like a genuine reaction but i think because there's so much you know dogpiling on it 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 cancels out a lot of things and like Brian and i have talked about i feel like almost every episode in some capacity because <laughs> it's rough this seems to come up you know in the discourse of twitter every other fucking day is mm-hmm. that we mistake accountability with cancel culture mm-hmm. like because mm-hmm. it is a very very thin and fine line but i think because people aren't looking at the true definitions because everything comes down to definitions what does accountability we mean in the dictionary per se what does canceling mean especially mm-hmm. in the the new age urbanized sense of it because it's very different and i feel yeah. because we're mixing those two so consistently it's causing this such different and negative narrative and it's also going to keep silencing those who are one maybe coming forward with their stories such as you know maybe they had a really bad experience with addiction and all this other such and they're being minimized now because people are saying oh i'm going to cancel you now because you're you know having these old memories and thoughts come up but you're not going to take responsibility for them in the way that I want you to say, oh, I was a really, really shitty person, and then kind of demonize and internalize more of those negative emotions rather than saying like, hey, I fucked up, I did X, Y, Z, I'm this different person, I'm going to move on from it, but I feel like I should let you know. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And I think about all the times the artists that like probably don't even realize that they position themselves to not be able to be canceled. But like my favorite example would be like 
Like I think about All Time Low is the perfect example of a band that unknowingly made themselves uncancelable because of, you know, if you went to see All Time Low and So Wrong It's Right Through very recently, if someone like all the bras that get thrown up on stage and then they would like put them on their mic stands and then they put them on inside their van and everything like that. And people would be like, oh my God, it's so funny. Look at all the bras. Now we all know that a lot of those bras come from underage girls, but no one's ever going to be like, by keeping those bras, All Time Low was sexualizing minors. We were all just like, oh, it's so funny that they did that. It was like a joke thing that they did. And now they've kind of positioned themselves where unless it comes out that like they straight up preyed on somebody, they're kind of uncancelable. Meanwhile, if like a guy in another band, we found out that he just kept a bunch of bras that girls had given him, he'd be like, that is freaking disgusting. <laughs> um, and, and, huh. But because Jack decided to just pile them onto his mic stand, they're in the clear. They like bought themselves a pass. Huh. I think it's also yeah. like the, di the different time as well. So mm -hmm. yeah, because I know nowadays if any of that type of stuff comes out, especially when it comes to, I know there's been a few um, people come for people coming forward saying they were coerced. And I know mm -hmm. that that is a very new term that people are classifying for, um, you know, sexual assault and sexual harassment as well. Yeah, a I lot think, of grooming and coercion coming exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. And I think because... Um, that is also so new. If we were to even look back, you know, to like, you know, when All Time Low started out with those types of bands too, you would kind of look back and be like, what? Well, I'm not even saying anybody during that time has mm -hmm. done it, but I'm saying hypothetically. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> um, you know, oh, what if they did this? But we would have seen it as kind of a societal norm. Not saying that it's correct, mm -hmm. obviously. There's a lot of things in the status quo and societal norm that are not right. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I think that yeah, it is to some level, it still is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, I grew up in a similar circle of people and I know that certain gigantic scene bands when they were first blowing up, I had friends that were like, oh, me and my girlfriend went to see them and she hooked up with so-and-so in the band and they were definitely underage. And it was just like, oh, but they went out with that mission and it happened. And I'm sure that that circle of individuals still exists to this day. And whenever these kind of things come out, they aren't going to be like, no, I was into it because like, then you're defeating the story of somebody who feels that it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, wasn't fair. It wasn't the thing that they wanted to happen. They were coercing or whatever. But I think that you're, the use of definitions and people people don't use those definitions at all yeah. no it's fine i think neil Brennan has a great has a great thing he said the other i love the podcast what neil feel and he had some he was talking about it and he's like it's always all smoke and very little fire and it's like we, we get obsessed with the smoke and we never look for the fire he's like I'm, I'm all for all believe all women but i also want to believe all women because of things that are factual or i want to believe all of anything that anybody's saying but i want them to have facts to back it up at the same time and he's like we gotta i gotta see the fire like just show me the fire and i will believe you on stop undoubtedly but don't just like his thing was like when the chris delia thing came out recently that she rates dog's twitter account had tweeted something like i have over 400 dms from people saying that chris preyed upon them but then they didn't share those 400 dms he's like so what is that like what are we supposed to do with that as a journalist like what am i supposed to do with that information you allegedly have 400 dms from somebody talking about something like i don't know what i'm supposed to do he's like that's not that's just smoke i need i need fine fire and i was yeah, like yeah i mean i, I, I try really, to keep that in mind i really do feel too because i know that there was um an article from Lamgoat. i don't remember what the band who the band was i think it was a kind of moderately known metal band if i'm not mistaken and there was a bunch of people saying, why are you saying that this person in this band allegedly tied up this girl? Well, there's a photo. And I like commented, I'm like, you know, they teach you in journalism school. You like, you have to use allegedly 
mainly for legality reasons, unless in a court of law it <laughs> mm-hmm. is proved otherwise. And mm-hmm. I feel that I love community journalism. There's a lot of great things about it, but because there's not like formal ethics taught to a lot of those individuals, it's hard to kind of give that perspective because while I am also like, yeah, this like you can see that this is obviously happening. Like mm-hmm. it's there and it's very provable, but it's only going to be provable in a court of law because that's how it works in a lot of these systems um, that you can yeah. then say like they were convicted of. There's very different reasonings behind it. And I feel like to like explain that to some people, it's never going to be good enough. Now, should something shift and change? Yeah, of course. But it's going to take a huge look around and basically like an uproot of like a really established system to do that. And that's only Mm going to happen if everyone gets on the same page and learns to, I don't know, maybe read a dictionary. (laughs) Yeah. You want me to read a dictionary? (laughs) I want you to look at it and just skim through like this. The one argument that I've seen come up that is unfortunately true is like, okay, so, so I'm a, I'm a magazine or I'm a blog and I get a hot tip about somebody doing something terrible. I could invest two weeks into getting the story right, interview people, do all that. And if I'm on payroll, get paid to do that. But when we post the story, people are just going to share the tweet and not click on the article. Mm-hmm. So am I paying you? Is it worth it to pay you to do the two weeks worth of research in order to nail the story? Or is it more valuable to pay you to post the tweet? And it's like, unfortunately, it's the tweet. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Journalist I mean, that's, that's why Twitter has that on a lot of like, um, like WAPO or um, like New York Times articles before you tweet it now. It says, well, do you want to read it first before you retweet? Also true? because of Trump Beautiful. too, but I feel like that's also <laughs> a big contributing factor. Is that really added? My new there? favorite thing in journalism is uh, like the New Yorker and the New York Times have that new tool that reads you the articles. So like you, if it's like a big feature, you can click to listen to it like a podcast. Oh, it's beautiful. We Plus it tells you how long the story is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you, I clicked on one yesterday. Somebody sent me a link to a story about the pandemic and I clicked on to listen to it. And it was like, this article is 32 minutes long. And I was like, Jesus, how many words is this? <laughs> I was like scrolling. I was like, what is this? <laughs> oh. Anyways, that was a fun dark hole. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the dark hole. It's yeah. like kind of going to the dark web pretty yeah. much at this yeah. point when you talk about cancel culture. The emo social club, and dark web. It got dark in my God. office as I fell into the hole with you guys. Ooh. Yeah. The, it's uh, coming for me. The, studio, the new studio you're building needs some lights. <laughs> it, they're on the other side of the room. I didn't want to be rude. Ah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, um, it's but I, I'm always interested in getting a new perspective on it. Just... In this case, I was like, well, we're talking about uh, people who are Answer dealing with addiction things. and working working mm-hmm. through these things. And like, eventually, we are going to have to have the conversation of, do we get, is this their, their, their way of pushing themselves out of that world and into a more recovery world? Is there a way that they come back from this sort of stuff? And I don't think that you really mm-hmm. can have a world where you're like, I want people to get the treatment that they need. I want people to be healthy. I want people to be able to work through the issues that they have. I want people to have access to mental health care and rehabilitation. And I don't ever want to see that fucking person again. Like those two things (laughs) don't make any sense to me. And I'm like, you have to, you have to want somebody to better themselves and then give them the space to do it and allow them to come to you and show the work that they've done and be able to support that person in the future. Otherwise it's like, but then why did you want them to get better? Like, fuck them then. It's like, you you can't have both. So anyway, when you're, when, yeah, when you're a musician, I mean, it, it compounds, right? Because you, 
like in the instance that they used, Bert is Bert is basically dealing with crystal meth addiction when they record that first album. And then they get that they're the biggest band the world has seen, an alternative scene has seen. And then a decade later, he gets clean in their next like three albums tank. And so there's a part of him that's like, well, shit, I got clean to save myself, but I might have ruined my career. So like when you hear an album like Heartwork, you're like, oh, thank God. Like it's it's like proof that yeah. getting clean doesn't ruin your creativity because I'm sure that that's a factor. And like, I mean, Anthony is Anthony has been to rehab three times. And like you can see when you listen to the Circa albums, you can almost tell when he's in a bad place because the album just kind of goes to trash. And you can tell that he's being like, I got to find that perfect mix to make it work. Um and, and then they go on to release their best albums. I think almost everyone on the show is at the best point in their career they've been in a long time. But that first, it's almost like, like if you go to rehab, the next album is going to be rough almost across the board, it seems like. But if you can ignore the critics and stay clean, it gets better. I feel like that can also be compared to like when people like say Mike Hem when they came back and they put out Danger Days and I was like this sucks like I don't like this because mm -hmm. you know they got all of them most of them I believe got married around that time they had kids and like mm -hmm. you know they were getting their shit together they're pretty much like oh I'm clean and I'm like moving on in life and like I don't care anybody yeah. says I love Danger Days if you don't like Danger Days get out of here people um, have come <laughs> around to that album I think I they think people like finally were like oh wait no this album's great yeah it hits but I think it's the same thing where it's like you have like these people progressing forward why wouldn't you want to hear music that's not as dark necessarily especially you know you do have these older albums to go back to when you do have those moments especially for those fans who are kind of coming up to and being like oh this got me through the darkest days of my life I mm -hmm. feel like you as a fan want to be like, oh, I hope this person who got me through these darkest days of my life is putting out music that's getting them through their darkest days of their life and showing that they came out on the other side. Yeah. Well, it's something I learned during the podcast was like songs or albums that I was always like, man, that's a great breakup song or actually about like, you know, coming off of heroin and you're like, oh, we were going through different things. I, I completely <laughs> misread where you were coming from. I mean, it's time. like when you listen to Skillet, like their one yeah. album that had like all the good songs on it. You're like, oh, I mm -hmm. feel it. Then you're like, oh, God, Jesus. Yeah, we're all coming from different places. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, no, I, those are great. Those are great points. I will say that if somebody misses MCR, the new Creeper album is amazing. Comes out July 31st. I love Creeper with my whole ass heart. I saw them <laughs> on their first US store here at Beat Kitchen. It's mm. like me and like five other people, and I love them. They're the nicest people in the world. New album is fantastic front to back. It's amazing. So I want to give you a chance to plug uh, all the stuff where people can find it all. And then after you do that, I'm going to ask, I'm going to, I'm going to mention something specific. That's a follow up from the mm -hmm. last time we talked. Oh, good. So I'll, I'll let you plug. And then I'm like, mm, let me, let me, let me ask you this. <laughs> Looking at your research. Okay. Uh, plugs. All right. So high notes, the podcast goes live July 28th, all episodes streaming that day for the first season. There will be more. There'll be a couple of in-between episodes before season two drops in December. They're all kind of timely, the in-between episodes. That's why they don't fit in with the seasons. Uh, think of it as like a holiday special, but for dark things. And, um, the podcast is High Notes Pod on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, I think. It might be High Notes Podcast. But you can also find everything through Holix. That's H-A-U-L-I-X or holixdaily.com. And uh, we have a YouTube channel. It's called Music Biz, Music B-I-Z. And um, 
Yeah. Oh, I have another podcast called Inside Music. There's that. And then if I could plug one more thing, if you yeah. need one more way to look at my face or listen <laughs> to me talk. Um, I was telling you guys before we started that I have a podcast with my friend Ben. I, I manage I manage the band You Mean Everyone We Know, and we have a podcast called Ben and James Answer the Internet, where we play a stupid card game and answer dumb questions about um, our lives and you know, would you rather type questions that just kind of lead to conversations. We get into philosophy and a lot of that other nerdy stuff. So if that sounds like fun and, and the people that watch play with us. So like we ask the crowd, the questions and people comment back and we just kind of have a lot of fun. It's an interactive game show. So yeah. So Ben and James answer the internet inside music, Holics, music biz on YouTube and high notes, the podcast. Yeah. I think that's everything. I think that's everything. Excellent. Oh, Oh, one more thing. I wrote, the- <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I write a lot of band bio. So I just, for the band bio for selfish things uh and their new ep is out it's really good i'm writing one for the band happy right now their new record is really good it comes out in october and since they pay me to write their bios i feel like i should promote their music so check <laughs> those albums out absolutely those are, those are both very good bands so very good bands yes. yeah also you mean everyone um we know they you know, you know yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of words There's a lot for of a lot words. of bands' yeah. names nowadays. We call them um, Yumi internally. Yumi, yes. <laughs> Yumi. Uh, they did the theme song? Yeah, they did. So, yeah, Ben from Yumi and everyone we know. Um, and there's another Ben in the band as well. Um, they worked on a theme song for the show. It's it's kind of inspired by a show called Boomtown that I was addicted to for a long time as a podcast. It's about oil drilling in Texas. But I just I wanted a podcast theme song. Because like if you listen to like a, an NPR podcast they always have like these really chill cool theme songs so i wanted one for this show that i can talk over as the introduction so yeah you mean everyone we know came up with an original song it has some it has a dumb name because they were like no one's ever gonna like want to just hear this song (laughs) but uh yeah so we have a song and yumi has a new a new uh ep out called radical change has a song called ram das dick pics it's really good check it out Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, you mean did you mean that did the music for the show and Nick Farron did the artwork, which you guys have kindly been sharing on your socials. Yeah, really cool artist. He also does all the art for you, me, and everyone we know. So there's a little incestuous fact for you. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yep. So hey, what's your follow up? So last time we talked a little bit about uh, how I went into the studio and recorded with Craig Owens and Nick Martin, and mm-hmm. uh, worked with them for a short period of time. And Nick, yeah. they're both very nice. And you mentioned, uh, it's one of my favorite anecdotes of like how you met Craig and Craig was like responding to your review of the drugs album and was like, yeah. I think it could have been We talk about it on high notes. This is really good. Good. Yeah. yeah Cause I'm, I, I still to this day, like, you know, knowing that like there was some drug stuff coming back up and he was like, he put out a new song. I like thought of that and I was like, no, it probably deserved whatever score it got. I just don't really like that mm-hmm. album. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. not that great. Uh, and it's not that songs don't get stuck in my head sometimes, but I'm like, it's just not that great. Uh, yeah. So I, Craig did uh, uh, Emo Night LA. He DJed Emo Night LA here in Chicago uh, one of the nights, and I saw him there. I was I, I, I DJ it. No, I wasn't DJing that night, but I DJ it on other nights when we don't have special guests. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I, I want to go say hi to him. We went up on stage. I'm like, Hey dude, do you remember me from all these days ago? He's like, yeah, I do. What's up, man. And I was like, I don't know if this is fake or not, but I'm going to assume that it's real and that Craig Owens remembers my face and name and experience. It's possible. Yeah. And now I'm like, it's all possible, right, man, give it like one 
point up on that scale <laughs> on that review. <laughs> I will tell you that uh, the Nick Martin episode of the show, he points to his time in drugs. Ironically, his time in drugs is the darkest point in his uh, addiction problems, wow. mostly drinking and stuff. But we do a big chunk of that episode is talking about that 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 day in question that I tell you about in, in the first episode of this show um, when he and I hang out at the Sex Life video shoot and it mm-hmm. turns into this crazy rager. And we kind of reflect on that night as being like, a really clear example of like something that should have been a very professional, normal day that descended into chaos. And then in hindsight being like, how did that happen? Like, how did we do this thing? Um, so yeah, it's funny that you brought that up because I, I, I always think about doing your show because I think it's one of the more fun podcasts to do. And I mean that sincerely, not just cause I'm on it right now. I've been doing a lot of them recently and sometimes people have questions. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're like, so you've been doing music stuff for a while. You guys always have good questions and we're, and you laugh, which is fun. Um, Do people not laugh in their podcasts. Sometimes no. Sometimes I, I think I tell interesting stories, or at least I talk for a long time, and then I stop, and they're like, "Next question." Um, and I'm like, wow. "I don't know what just. I don't know what's happening right now." Wow. So uh, we do talk about that day a lot. I think about it a lot too. I get sex life stuck in my head even when I was recording yeah. it. So we use a clip of the band performing it acoustically in the episode because you can't use the studio version. And uh, I just listening to it for like a day. It was stuck in my damn head for like a week. And I was just like, oh, that earworm of a song. I watched, so this is how it got stuck in my head the other day. We watched The Room because we're like, we need mm-hmm. to watch, we need to experience this. We watched The Disaster Artist. We watched The Room. And there's a line in there where, it, it, you know, the movie makes no fucking sense at all. But he just goes, anyway, so how's your sex life? And then I'm like <laughs> in my room, just like, <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's like, how did, uh, and it's like one of those things where I'm like, I do not like that song. I do not think it's a good song. <laughs> but God damn it, am I not singing it alone to myself over and over again yeah. because of this random well, thing that made me think of it? It's a like, song uh, that was promoted with teasing a fake Crago and sex tape. Yeah. yeah. It was a really yeah. good time. Wild. Wild time. Wild time in music history. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a fun anecdote that I don't think I've told anyone about the new drug single is that when I heard a rumor, I heard a rumor about like a week before the world got that drug song, that there was a new drug song coming. And I reached out to Nick and Matt and basically everyone but Craig, because mm-hmm. I don't have his number. And I was just like, hey, what's the deal with this? And I'll tell you honestly that all of them texted me back and went, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, you guys haven't seen the news. Uh-huh. There was a new destroyer Bill still got show song coming. And they're like, I don't think there is. And then they're like three hours went by and I got a message that's like, Hey, so we all talked and none of us knew this was happening. And I was like, cool, cool. Wow. Goes, but I guess Craig reached out and asked for the YouTube login like a week ago. And I was like, Oh, Okay. Okay. So yeah, he just like took that thing and was like, this is mine now. (laughs) Um, So it's just Craig and his producer doing it. I don't think those guys, because when I asked him, I was like, you guys are working on new stuff. And they're all like, no, no, we haven't. (laughs) No, it's not going to happen. That's wow. that's the reunion that will never occur. That and Isles and Glaciers are probably was, neck and neck for never I was never thinking about happen. them today. Knowing that we were going to be talking, I'm like, oh man, Isles and Glaciers was like such a banger band, but then too much. Saw them in concert. Yeah. It was real. Yeah. It was real. The one, the one concert. Um, the one concert, South by Southwest. You can yeah. watch it on YouTube. I almost did. Uh, and I'm like, no, <laughs> uh, no I got to prepare it's for this interview. It. Um, it's yeah. So I will, uh, we'll, we'll end the episode there. We'll continue chatting over on Twitch. 
uh, emosocialclub.tv if you want to join us next time and you're listening to this recording and you're not currently here, uh, which mm-hmm. is, you know, you're a fool it's and you really should have been here. You, you should have been there. Um, James, thank you for being on the podcast today. This has been great to it's have you back again. show to do. Hell yeah. Thanks for letting me. That's going to be, yeah. we're going to clip that. We're going to post it across the internet. <laughs> this is <laughs> good. This is James Shotwell's favorite podcast. show to do. <laughs> Then I'll it's get canceled be, for something I said our, on it. We're going to put it on our podcast, too, on our website. If you yeah. like the quotes, <laughs> like you have it, like the bomb page, like this is the most fun podcast. The banner that just goes across Dude. the top, just like. <laughs> like I'm going to clip that and put it on my LinkedIn page. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to play the music to take us out. And uh, from all of us here at the Emo Social Club podcast, I am Brian. And I am Lizzie. And we will catch you next Thursday, 7.30 p.m. Central Time on EmoSocialClub.tv. And goodbye. Bye. Bye.